0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. They went to the Episcopal Church. That's a little part of a little story I read. I'm sure the one who told it actually attended the Episcopal Church and was poking some fun at some inside joke. Sometimes we can poke fun at ourselves as Lutherans. We might simply say, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. The story I read. A family moved into the neighborhood, and a little country church decided to reach out to them. When they arrived at the doorstep, the members of the church were surprised to find that the family had 12 kids and were poor. They invited the family to services and said goodbye. Later that week, the church responded to their need. They delivered a package to the family and said, we want you to know that you and your entire family are welcome at our church anytime. We want you to feel comfortable and at ease in our congregation. We hope you can use these. And they left. When the family opened the package, they found 14 suits of clothing, beautiful clothes for every member of the family. The family had never had anything like that before. The church had been certain that the family would show up. How could they not? They had put in the investment, and they expected that their effort would yield a good result. Fourteen people would show up in their church that day, 14 extra people. Sunday came, and the congregation waited for the family. And they waited. The family never showed up. Wondering what could have possibly happened, happened After lunch, the members of the Church returned to the home and found the family just getting back all dressed up in their new clothes. They said to the family, We don't mean to be nosy, but we would like to know what happened. We had hoped to see you this morning in church. The Father spoke up. He said, Well, we got up this morning intending to come, and we sure do appreciate your invitation. But after we got ready in our new clothes and suits, why? We looked so proper, we went to the Episcopal Church. At least, in this story, the family did go to church, although to the wrong church. But it speaks to the reality that people do reject an invitation to church. We probably feel disappointed when we invite somebody to church and they don't show up, or when they flat out say no it may lead us not to invite anyone anymore. Even if you've never invited anybody to church, it is easy to imagine that if you do, the person you invite may not show up. And the easiest thing to do is to simply give up. Rejection is too painful. But Jesus continues to invite people. He does that through us and other Christians. God wants people to come close to him, to come to church and to worship him with others. He wants people to share in his joy, and he wants us to invite people to share in that joy. Not everybody will reject him. And sometimes people we may not expect to want to hear about Jesus with faith are the very ones who respond when they hear about Jesus' love for them. God works in a mysterious way. Jesus tells this parable to the religious leaders of his time, the chief priests and elders of the people. Now, we have heard so many parables of Jesus before, including this one. Still, it is difficult to define exactly what a parable of Jesus means. We know for sure that there are stories that Jesus tells. They may sound like stories that the people have heard before, but there is something strange about what Jesus tells. What is clear is that Jesus creates or makes up these stories to teach something about how the kingdom of heaven is working today or how it will work in the future. If you look at every detail of the parable, you might conclude that it doesn't make sense, or at least part of it doesn't. It stretches the bounds of reality. Nevertheless, Jesus reveals a truth or truth about how the kingdom of heaven works presently or how it will work in the future. This parable is about how God works presently. Jesus tells the leaders about a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He had previously invited some people to come to the banquet. When it was time for the feast, he sent his servants to go and call those who had been invited that it was time to come but they refused to come. This would be considered a complete disrespect and dishonor to the king and his son. You just think about it. It's not every day that you get an invite from the king to come and feast with him and his son. We know some kings who are only ceremonial kings in our world today. They don't have any real power, even though they bear the title and hold the office of king. But there are still kings in the world today who have absolute power. You do what they say you should do and you do it promptly or you lose your life. You cannot dishonor such kings even once. The consequences are grave. But these leaders who had been chosen by God without any merit on their part did just that. They dishonored the king and his son. And this king who is God himself, was willing to disgrace himself by sending other servants to go again and call them to come to his banquet. He really wanted them to come. He considered them important and wanted, wanted wanted them to share in his and his son's joy. He even sweetened the deal by telling them what exactly they would eat for the dinner. You can't help thinking that it was a scrumptious dinner. What he had prepared was the best of the best. His message to his servants, to the invited guests, was, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But he paid no attention. One went off to his farm, another to his business. The rest seized the servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. That is trouble right there. You wonder, what were they thinking? They are subjects of the king, and they would treat him that way? Did they have no idea what the king could do? They put their own lives at risk just like that by rejecting the generosity and kindness of the king. You yourselves may know how it feels to be ignored or treated disrespectfully as if you don't matter at all, as if you are unimportant. Often, when that happens, you don't have the power to do anything about it. A few years ago, there was a show on television where bosses who had heard some negative things being done by some of their workers or negative and insulting things said about them would go and get themselves hired undercover so they would see and hear everything firsthand. They arranged it so that everything was filmed. They then had the workers brought before them and asked them questions that only someone who had firsthand knowledge of the events would have the answers to. The guilty workers would deny any of the accusations made against them, but then the film would be shown to them. They were left speechless, and of course, they were fired. They shamed their bosses, and they got fired for it. In the parable When the guests refused to go to the banquet after repeated urging to come to the banquet, the king became enraged and sent his army to destroy them and burn their city. You know how God chose his own people by grace and how they repeatedly rebelled against him. Even though he sent prophet after prophet to remind them of his love for them and to warn them to change and follow him alone, they ignored them. Sometimes they even killed the prophets. The current leaders were resistant to Jesus and his mighty works and ways and his message of reconciliation with God. He likened it to the refusal to join the king's wedding, he likened it to a refusal to join the king's wedding banquet for his son. The people who had been invited and refused to go to the banquet dishonored and shamed the king and his son repeatedly. The king finally had enough, so he sent and destroyed their city. Now the parable stretches the bounds of reality, but it is a parable, so it is not surprising. This parable predicted the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened in 70 AD. It was divine judgment, and it happened because the religious leaders repeatedly rejected God's Son and the Kingdom of Heaven present in His words and actions. They rejected many prophets and messengers sent to help them. See, there are many acts of sinfulness, such as going through the motions of worshiping God, perpetrating class distinctions, not caring about the poor, and regarding others as more sinful than they were. God's repeated message to them was repent, but they ignored him. Yet they were his people. He had chosen them. God's desire to save did not end right away. His invitation for people to come to his son's banquet did not end there. He sent his servants out again, this time to invite more people. It was more inclusive. The messengers were to go to the very limits of his territory and invite people. They were to invite as many as they could find. The servants went and invited anybody they could find, no distinctions. They invited all kinds of people, both good and evil, I think if I were sent to invite people to the king's wedding banquet for his son, I would be more discerning. I would ignore people with certain character flaws. I would not go near those with bad reputations. I might even do a little interview to see if they would qualify for the king's banquet for his son. Only the good ones would get the invite. Only the good ones who are likely to respect the king's invitation and are worthy would go. Good thing God does not leave it to me or you to decide who qualifies to sit at table with him. If we would presume to decide for God who should be invited, we could not be his servants. The king's message to his servants was to invite as many as they could find. So these servants, they carried out the king's wishes— And they gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. No matter when you became a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you are here because of his gracious invitation. No matter whether or not you were a baby or adult when you were baptized, you are here at the gracious invitation of the king who never easily gives up on his desire and quest to sit you at table with him and his son. We can just imagine the king's joy at seeing his banquet filled with guests. That is what he wanted in the first place. This king was different from other kings. He did not distance himself from his guests. He went in and interacted with them with all the last minute invited guests who had shown up. He had a genuine interest in seeing them at his banquet. He has a genuine interest in you too. He will not stand at a distance now that you are an honored guest at his banquet. He is glad to to see you. He notices everybody and everything. Just before the banquet began, the king noticed that one man who was not wearing wedding clothes. He addressed him. Friend, how do you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. This matter of the wedding clothes, what is it? Many commentators in the past insisted that the wedding clothes were provided to guests at the time. But more careful research has not found any reliable evidence that such was the case. People were supposed to put on their best clothing when to attend weddings, kind of like you do today when you attend a wedding. It seems reasonable to assume that this man had nicer clothes nicer clothes to wear to the wedding banquet, but he deliberately refused to wear them. In doing so, he intentionally dishonored the king and his son. He did not deserve to be there. We can be confident that if the man had responded, even at that late time, that he had indeed dishonored the king and his son by his action and asked for forgiveness, the king would have granted it to him and provided what what was needed. As David says in Psalm 51, A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. But the man could not say anything, and he was thrown out. Then Jesus said, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Just in case you are wondering, if you are part of the chosen, don't. You are here by faith in Jesus. You are chosen because you are here by the grace of God. God wants people who get invited into his presence to stay with him. He wants them to stay at the banquet for his son. But who gets to stay in his presence forever? Who gets to stay at the banquet? It is those who have come with broken and contrite hearts. It is those who acknowledge that in the present time, their actions and inactions sometimes make them unworthy to be in the king's presence. Who gets to stay at the banquet? You. He wants you in his presence forever. You get to stay because you live in true repentance. That is your wedding your wedding garment. you got to keep the appropriate wedding clothes on. You do it corporately in church when you confess your sins, and you do it individually. If you don't, then you should. Think about the one who told the parable, the king's son, and what he has done for you. He suffered disgrace on this earth for you and for me. He endured threats and insults for you and for me. He let people look down on him for you and for me. He was led to the slaughter of the cross for you and for me, and he offered no resistance because it was his intention to die for you and for me. He felt totally abandoned by God, which he was, but it was for your sake and mine. Why? Because he really wants you at his wedding banquet and to stay there forever. If Jesus had remained dead, all his suffering and his death would have been for naught. And you and I would have no hope whatsoever of being at his banquet. Indeed, there will be no banquet at all to speak of. But he did rise again and lives forever. The banquet is on. The table is set. You have a seat with your own name on it. And the king and his son will visit with you with joy and gladness forever. You get to stay with him. Thanks be to God. Amen.